Welcome to the Level Up Podcast, brought to you by Century 21, the Harrelson Group, featuring masterminds with real estate leaders, coaches, and influencers, plus eye-opening strategy sessions with up-and-coming agents. You'll learn exactly how to go from agent to entrepreneur. And now, let's get to the latest episode of Level Up. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the latest episode of the Level Up podcast, where you learn how to go from agent to entrepreneur. And we've got Greg Harrelson and a very special guest with us today. We'll bring him in in a second. But uh, before we do that, let's bring in Greg, the man himself. He is on the road today. Greg, what is up today? Hey, I'm. Uh, you're right. I'm on the road. I'm excited to, to, to and honored to have uh, our Century 21 CEO on the uh, call with us. But I'm in a uh, the Marriott Marquis. I'm sure a lot of people have heard of the Inman Convention or Inman Connect Conference. I'm here, and uh, I got here last night. Was at the Mike Ferry event uh, at the productivity uh, productivity retreat for the last couple of days. So. I'm going to do this podcast, have a meeting, and then I'm going to go home and get back to Myrtle Beach and my family. So I'm excited, <laughs> though, to be here. That's for dang sure. That's right. And hopefully slightly warmer down there than it is in New York right now. It's a little chilly here, but that's yeah. okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, let's bring in our special guest, Rick Davidson. Rick, how are you today? Hey, I'm great, Matt. How are you? Doing really well. So we're going to talk about a few things. We've got uh, all kinds of things that we could talk about with you. But before we get into um, some of the specific things that we want to ask, can you give people kind of a sense of uh, where you've come from, your background, and, and what you do on a daily basis as the CEO of Century 21? Uh, you bet. I'm a 25-year real estate veteran. Uh, really grew up in the commercial real estate industry. Uh, spent the vast majority of my career in Washington, D.C., I uh, was with uh, CBRE for a decade, if that gives people, uh, you know, an idea of the kind of uh, commercial real estate work that I did. Uh, I ran their offices in Washington and uh, really served primarily the institutional uh, level clientele. I uh, came here to Century 21 in uh, 2010. And uh, as the CEO, I'm responsible for uh, really three things primarily. Uh, you know, one is ensuring uh, the growth of the organization, of course, uh, the second being really protecting and enhancing uh, the value of the brand. Uh, and as you can imagine, each of these verticals are, you know, very deep and very wide. Uh, and third uh, is uh, really to deliver a value proposition and platform to the agents and the brokers that are associated with this organization to ensure that they are far more productive as a result of being part of this organization than they would be if they were not. Very cool. Well, let's, let's start here. We'll start with kind of the fundamentals um, before we get into some of the more specific things. And what is your, what does the daily activities look like for you in terms of leadership when you're dealing with that kind of, I mean, you've got not, not only just a national organization, but a global organization to lead. How do you lead that effectively so it actually continues to grow and the people underneath you continue to grow? You know, that's a terrific question. I mean, the first is uh, you have to have a flag on the hill. Uh, and as Greg, uh, Greg knows well, uh, I'm a mountain climber, uh, as is Greg. Uh, and, uh, you know, it's really important to keep your eye on the summit. Uh, so you have to understand where you want the organization to go on a long-term basis. Uh, you need to ensure that you have a consistent uh, and frequent messaging uh, to your entire team. Uh, and in this case, you know, when I look at the entire team of Century 21, we're talking about 6,950 offices in 76 countries and territories and uh, upwards of 106,000 real estate sales professionals. So, uh, it's, you know, often difficult and unruly to get uh, all of these offices and agents uh, focused in the same direction. 
But if you consistently are out there leading the charge, um, you know, and and pointing to uh, the direction where you want the organization to go, then once you establish really what the goals and objectives are in order to achieve the overall, uh, you know, the overall objective uh, or vision, if you will, then you need to do what your teams do best and let them go out and execute. So, you know, making sure that you follow up, there's a high level of visibility, uh, there's a high level of communication, there's a high level of transparency. Um, one of the things that I pride myself on uh, is being high touch. Uh, so I travel extensively, I'm out in our offices, I touch our agents, our brokers, I'm texting with people, uh, you know, all day long, and I'm talking about agents, uh, not just here in the United States, but from around the world. Uh, and, you know, really staying in tune and in touch with the organization, making sure that I have complete understanding and communication with them about what's important, where we are organizationally, what we need to do in order to change, and then how do we, you know, how do we stay nimble enough as a really big company in order to respond at the speed of the market and at the speed of our customer? And making sure that I keep all of that in perspective as we keep moving the organization towards that uh, flag on the hill. Makes makes total sense. You know, let, let me just, just an observation, and I know I'm just going to have so many of these things where myself, I'm going to have to remember that, you know, I'm, I'm part of this podcast, but, you know, I, I'm also starting to fall into, wow, here's a nugget, here's a nugget, here's a nugget. So I think you said 6,000 plus offices. Uh, I think 76 countries or 96 countries, 76, 76, over a hundred thousand real estate agents. And he led the conversation by saying he's really only in charge of three things. Now I understand he's in charge and responsible for so many things, but I think for people that are thinking about expanding, scaling, growing their business as they grow, you know, you probably are not going to have 6,000 offices, but as you grow, I think it's interesting to hear him say he's only really responsible for three things. So let me ask this question because a lot of people are looking to grow in the real estate industry. How, how do you communicate? Um, how important is your team, your executive team? Because if you're really only doing, not doing, but if you're really responsible for three main focal points, you must have an extraordinary team. So how do you manage that team? How do you trust and have faith that that team's going to deliver communic uh, the, the, uh, the correct message and deliver it like you want to when you're so, you're all over the country flying around? How, how do you do that? Well, it's a great question. Uh, and the first thing is uh, it comes down to confidence. Uh, so, you know, identify your team instill in them the values that you are looking for them to portray while they're out on behalf of the company out in the marketplace. Make certain that everyone is in complete alignment with what the overall vision, goals, and objectives are for the organization. And then allow them to execute within their own teams so that you know, you're empowering them as professionals within the organization understanding and knowing that they are all out there executing on behalf of what the long-term vision is. Of course, you have to be in constant communication with your team. Uh, you have to have, you know, good metrics uh, and, you know, flash reports, if you will, uh, to make certain that you're all executing uh, in the right direction and that you're getting the results that you're looking for. And when things don't go the way that you know that they need to go, you need to be decisive. Uh, 
you need to be willing to have fierce conversations with people. You need to sit down and, and maybe you just nudge someone in the right direction if they're headed off in the wrong direction, but you can't steer away from those things, being frustrated that somebody may not be executing per the plan. You owe it to yourself and to everyone else on the team that you have to sit down. You got to have those conversations directly. You need to be very quick about it, very decisive about it. Um, but I think, you know, what I've learned over the years uh, in leadership roles is once you establish the objective, once you have communicated uh, what your expectations are, once you have established the metrics by which you can go and make certain that you are on target with that, you must have the trust and confidence in your team members and you must allow them to go out into the market and execute on behalf of the organization. That's, that is fantastic. Thank you so much for that because I... I know the listener base uh, of, of, of podcasts in general, and a lot of them are really trying to be proactive and take on the market and expand. And I just see that the principles that you just shared with us, they apply to you on a global level. They apply to me as a real estate owner or a company owner who's trying to expand. And they apply to the, the same real estate agent that wants to grow their business. I can see that those leadership tips right there are going to apply to all of us. So th thank you for sharing that. Thank you so much. Yeah, and, and Rick, I'm curious, just in terms of managing a, like a global organization, how many direct reports do you have and, and how often do you meet with them? I have four direct reports and I meet with them uh, on a formal basis every week uh, and on an informal basis uh, every day, multiple yeah. times a day. Um, so, you know, we're in constant communication and, you know, I don't just limit that to my, just my direct report. So, you know, there's a lot of conversations in corporations like I work inside of that, you know, you want to have skip level meetings and you want to have double skip level meetings, which means that, you know, not only do I communicate uh, at a certain level with my direct reports, I actually go to their direct reports and actually go to their direct reports and really move myself down through the organization. Uh, I'm, I'm frankly a believer in having a flat organization. I don't want people, you know, worried or concerned about whether or not they they should come and take my time. And I don't want any of my direct reports concerned that I've gone three levels below them to go have a conversation because I just so happen to think about it. And I know that that's the individual who executes on it and I want to get their opinion. Uh, so, you know, Having, having open lines of communication where the organization feels relatively flat, people understand that there's a hierarchy because there needs to be for certain approval levels and making sure that you're managing to, uh, you know, to your organizational goals. But when it comes down to it, uh, you know, we need to be a scrum. We need to be a team. We need to be able to move through the market as one. Uh, and frankly, it's, it's, it's what has helped us to create the level of success that we are seeing with Century 21 today. So um, that's not just here in the US, it's, it's all around the world. And uh, you know, when I travel uh, outside of the United States, uh, the organization frankly doesn't function any differently than it does here in the US. That's awesome. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Hard to do. Okay, that, that, so that, that takes me to, a, let's talk about scaling for a minute, okay? Because I think scale is a term that entered into the real estate industry, and maybe it's cyclical, you know, maybe it was a term, you know, 20 years ago also, and it comes in and out of the industry, but scale and growing, multiplying are all things that seem to be um, of everyone's interest right now. What I just heard him say, uh, or you say, Rick, is there's consistency 
in the way things function in the United States as well as the various countries that you're in. You're saying it's all working the same exact way. And I think that that's critical for scale. So what do you see some challenges in the real estate industry, either at a top producer level, wanting to scale up and go uh, you know, for, for 100 transactions to 500 transactions, or even for a broker owner that's uh, wanting to scale up and expand you know, their company, either multiple offices or go from 200 agents to, to 1,000 agents. And I know we've got a great example in George Morrison, and there's plenty of other examples across the industry and in in, in within the Century 21 brand of, of doing it effective. What are they doing that's, that's creating the success or attracting the success that they're getting? Well, I have a new mantra for 2017, and it doesn't just relate to, uh, you know, the real estate agent, the consumer, the broker, or the franchisor. Uh, it relates to all of them, and that is relevancy. Uh, and relevancy to me relates to scalability. Um, if you're not relevant to your customer, it's difficult to scale. So as I look at an organization that may be a single office in a marketplace that has a growth aspiration, um, that broker needs to first and foremost, and let's talk about a broker. We could be talking about a broker, an agent, a team, uh, or, you know, or a company. Um, and I think first and foremost, you have to understand where is it that you want to go? So, you know, no differently than what we do organizationally here at Century 21 from a global perspective, uh, we set a long-term vision. Uh, what is it that we want to accomplish? Uh, obviously, you have to build a pro forma to that. What does it look like from a financial perspective? What is it going to take me in order to achieve that from a financial perspective? And what's my balance sheet have to look like? Uh, and then what are the metrics by which that I go back and I measure myself to make sure that I'm hitting the, the certain milestones that I need to hit in order to achieve whatever that objective is? Then, most importantly, is you have to execute. Um, I know a lot of people in this business who talk about wanting to go, grow, wanting to expand, wanting to build, wanting to branch out, wanting to create alternative revenue streams, uh, you know, look, looking at various marketplaces. Um, the problem is, is a lot of those folks get analysis paralysis, and they forget that they actually have to get out and execute. Um, so, you know, as I think about an agent who's a single agent, in fact, I was just having this conversation the other night. Uh, we had a terrific event down in Washington, D.C. Uh, called the Agent of the Future event, and it really is a discussion about relevancy. Uh, we had, uh, uh, we had uh, Matt Altman uh, and Josh Altman, the guys from Million Dollar Listing, were there and, and on stage just having a conversation. Uh, about their business and the business they do and their relevance, frankly, in the marketplace. But I was having this conversation with an agent who said, you know, I did 40 sides of business this year and I'm really looking to start to build out and expand. And I said, that's terrific. So have you hired on an, a buyer's agent? No, 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 no. I haven't hired a buyer's agent because, you know, I got I got this control issue and I, you know, I got to make certain that I'm, uh, you know, I'm handling every aspect of, you know, the customer service. And I said, well, as much as you think that you want to grow and as much as you believe that you want to grow and you may have laid out a plan that's saying that you want to achieve a certain level of growth, you will never expand if you don't have trust and confidence in surrounding yourself with the right people who will help you to achieve the objective. So, you know, it's 
it's establishing uh, the right team. And I know that teams are a big discussion in our industry today, and, and hopefully we'll have an opportunity to talk about that. Um, but, you know, it's, I, I was, I'm a big believer in teams. Um, and in the commercial real estate space, uh, most uh, really successful professionals are part of a team. And there's a reason for that, because everyone is not good at everything. Everyone is not a great business generator. Everyone is not a great servicer. Everyone doesn't understand the financial aspects of the business. Everyone doesn't like to do open houses or doesn't like to go to networking events. But someone in a team-based environment loves that aspect of the business. And if you leverage that in the right way and allow that person who really has an enjoyment for that particular aspect of the business, they're going to take it to a level that you could never take it to. Uh, and, you know, so I, I, as I'm speaking about this, I'm thinking about individual agents, I'm thinking about teams, I'm thinking about offices, I'm thinking about companies. Uh, you know, inside of a big company, and we have lots of big companies inside of Century 21, you have the broker owner who's trying to hold every single office manager or branch leader or whatever the title is that you have for that person accountable for recruiting. Here's the bottom line. Everyone is not a great recruiter. Even though that we know inherently, we know and understand that recruiting is breathing in this business, everyone at every single office is not going to be a great recruiter. So why don't you figure out instead who are the people that have the greatest level of skill set? Put them in charging their specific aspect of the growth trajectory or the growth model, and then allow them to go out and execute on each other's behalf. And instead of creating a competitive model, everyone is working together and everyone wins at the end of the day. Um, so, you know, again, just, just taking it back, scalability to me is the ability to, first of all, have a vision. Secondly, be able to align uh, what, what the key objectives are that you need to accomplish in order to get there. Making certain that you've got the right financial performa laid out and you understand where you need to be from a financial perspective. Uh, finding the right people that you can surround yourself with and having the trust and confidence to hand your business over to them, certain aspects of it, so that you can go out and do the things that are necessary to continue growing. And then finally, execute and execute flawlessly. Uh, that's Those are the keys to success for expansion to me. Well, I can't wait to listen to this over again because I'm going to take some okay. you know, notes. I surely don't want to take notes right now, but <laughs> I, I, I think you just coached me. I, I really appreciate that. So the, the, the listeners are just going to, they're going to love that, those tips. There's no doubt about it. Now, listen, teams, teams, I think, I think what real estate agents think is when they're going to, the, the purpose of them going into building a team is because I think they want to scale or grow. So there's just so much pushback right now on teams. I mean, everywhere we go, we see discussions. Do, do you like teams? Do you not like teams? I think we're clear that you're very supportive of teams. Um, what do you see in teams that you feel like uh, that compels you to support that, uh, that process? Because there's plenty of other companies out there and other franchises that really are not, a, not for these teams, and they're, they're really concerned about it. I'm really excited to hear that you support it because I think that's where we're going. But what are you seeing in it? What's, the, what's, what's promising about teams? You know, look, you can create a team around anything. Um, and, you know, you and I both know that. Uh, we've been connected to a rope team together uh, on top of a glacier. And the reality is, is that, you know, it, it, climbing is an individual sport, but you have to be prepared and ready in order to achieve the summit. 
the key, however, is is that once you reach once you reach that glacier and you are clipped in with your teammates, you are now truly a team. And it doesn't matter how much you you personally may have trained or prepared uh, for the climb. If everyone else on your rope uh, is not prepared for the climb, at some point on the mountain, the entire team is going to have to turn if one person on the rope team cannot make the summit. So as I think about that as an analogy, you know, that that mountain climbing and the analogies that go along with mountain climbing, uh, frankly, have have relevance in every aspect of my life, um, because I, I just think about what it takes in order to plan something out like that. The fact that there are changing market being weather conditions all the time and you have to be prepared for that. you got to be nimble. you got to adjust at the speed of of uh, of of the conditions. You need to have an incredible team. You got to surround yourself with people that you trust your life with, uh, and then you need to go out and execute. And you, as an individual, need to be as strong a a member of that team as everyone else that you're expecting to, as part of that team. So as I think about teams in real estate, and I know that this is a very difficult conversation for a lot of brokers, and. Uh, <laughs> Uh, and it's difficult. And my understanding was, and unfortunately, I was not at Inman. I had scheduling conflicts. But I heard that there was a, uh, there was uh, they had a couple of teams uh, on stage, and I I, I think it was uh, I think that the uh, the panel discussion was led by Wendy Forsyth, uh, and the name of the team was some or the name of the session was something like "Our Team Will Kick Your Broker's," you know, tail. Uh, and what they talked about was that the team basically would outpace the broker and that the team would in turn then require such onerous conditions uh, as part of uh, their requirement to remain with that broker uh, that the broker would have no control, no say, add no value basically to that team because the team is saying, look, we're going to outpace you. We're going to outperform you. We're going to outdo everyone else in your office. And you're going to be begging for us to remain a part of your, your organization. So here's, here's, let's go back to the relevance conversation. So first of all, the, I, as a broker, need to be relevant to every single agent inside of my office, even if those agents are part of a team. I need to be providing a platform that is conducive to them doing more business with me than without me. That can come through a lot of different sources. It can either be my culture, uh, it can be training, education, coaching, uh, it can be lead generation, uh, it can be a high level of services, it can be the type of space that I have and the, and the ability to allow my agents to move uh, you know, through their business on a day-to-day -day basis as flexible as they can. It could be about technology or mobile technology or a combination of all of these things. I need to, I have a responsibility to any agent or team member inside of my company to provide a value that is relevant to them and that they can justify paying the fees that I'm expecting them to pay as being part of my organization. Secondly, as you look at that equation, the agent has to be relevant to the consumer and the agent's relevance to a consumer is going to depend somewhat on the broker's relevance to the agent because many of the tools and resources that the broker happens to provide are going to be part of the value proposition that the agent is actually serving up to the consumer. So that, you know, if the broker mm -hmm. keeps that in mind that they're serving the consumer at the end of the day through the agent and they need to stay relevant to the agent and relevant to the consumer, 
and the agent has to be relevant to the consumer, then you can find this common ground where everyone is working towards a common objective, which is the agent wants to do more business, the broker wants to do more business. Together, they both want to be a higher level of profitability and they want to serve more customers. And then that leads back, of course, to the discussion we just had about expansion uh, or growth. So to me, and I'll go back to uh, what I was saying earlier in, in the commercial real estate space, it's no different in the residential real estate space. Every member that becomes a member of a team has a skill set that perhaps is different than the skill set of other members of the team. And if you really want to execute at the very highest levels, you need to allow those team members to execute on those things where they, first of all, they love to do, and secondly, where they're very good at doing them. Uh, and if you can do that, then you're going to exponentially build what your opportunity is. So for me, it's foolish to think that you as an individual practitioner, as an agent, executing on your own with one assistant could be more effective than if you had a team of people who could offer all of these varied skill sets. And I think also, as you start to look at the changing demographics in our business and the fact that more millennials are coming into our business and more millennials are focused on culture in an environment that is more inclusive, they want to be part of teams, right? So this is the beginning of the proliferation of teams in our industry. We've always had teams, but we're going to see a, 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 a significant growth uh, in teams in our business. And as brokers, uh, we have to figure out how to effectively work with those teams and how to provide value to them. Separate and apart from that, and this is where I put the responsibility back squarely on the agent. Agent teams have to recognize and understand that just like them, the broker is in the business to earn a profit. And if you are trying to establish a financial model that doesn't allow the broker to be profitable, it's frankly foolish because if the broker is not profitable, then the broker cannot continue to build and expand and provide a higher level of value to you as a team member to allow you to build and expand to continue to grow your business and higher levels of profitability in the future. You know, it's very, sim it's very symbiotic and, and the, the agent needs to want the broker to make money and the broker needs to want to help the agent to build something that is far more significant than what they have. They both have to be looking at it with a clear understanding that it's got to be a win-win on both sides of the equation. And I'm absolutely convinced and confident that we as, a, as an industry will find the right structure to allow for that win-win scenario. It's really interesting. Yeah, that's, I, I wrote on my notes, it's a race to relevance. It's a race to relevance. It's Yes, so it from, is. From a company standpoint, so as things change, what, what I'm hearing, so <clears throat> as industry change, there's new trends, and let's call a trend that's probably going to be around for a long time as teams, and it's an old, it's an old concept, but it seems to be uh, a lot of momentum behind it right now. So as something changes, then then the perception, and I'm 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 coming from the team's perspective, the perception of relevance shifts as their infrastructure as as their as the team develops a team. It's a different strategy as their strategy changes. 
then what they perceive as relevant cha uh, also changes. So then the difference is typically between their needs for what is relevant or their perspective of relevance is different than what the company's perspective of relevance. Like the companies have to figure out how do I remain relevant and how do I continue to add value? And if the companies add value, but then the conversation about compensation probably works itself out. It's when the teams feel there's no value or there's that they feel like they've got to squeeze the dollar, squeeze the dollar because they're not getting anything of value. You hit the nail on the got head, it. Greg. I, I mean, you, you hit Great. the nail on the head because uh, what has happened, you know, this whole, and I love your term, race to relevance, right? This whole yeah. race to relevance, what that's created in our industry is a lot is is the launch of a lot of new models and a lot of new competitors. Uh, you know, call it a la carte services competitors, do-it-yourself models. Uh, you know, purely fee fee-based models where you know the agent's just paying a transaction fee, but they they get little value. Uh, and to your point, you know, the relevance has to be as I look at it as the CEO of a franchisor. I have to provide relevant. I've got. To, I have to be relevant to my customer. That's to our franchisees, right? We have to provide a, a system, a platform, a culture, an organization that provides relevance to the broker, who believes that they will do more business and will and 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 have an opportunity to grow and to build, and for the fees that they're going to pay us as being part of our or as, of our franchise enterprise. Separately, the broker has to be relevant to the agent. They've got to provide that culture, the platform, you know, the tools and the resources to allow that agent to be able to flourish. Uh, and then separately, the agent needs to be relevant to the consumer. Uh, and if that doesn't happen, if you take a, just take a look at our industry, just step back. Inman's the perfect place to be in order to see this uh, from really 10,000 feet. What has happened as a result of this discussion about relevance and what technology and communication has done in the industry today. It's created this space, it's opened this space for all of these small competitors to come into our business. You know, this business used to be, you know, controlled by very few. Today, it's controlled by many, many, many. And I'm not talking about all of the independent brokers and, and owners that are around the country and all the independent agents. Uh, but, you know, the bulk of the market that was controlled by brands, if you will, was controlled by very few brands. Today, that business has been sliced and diced in slivers. And each one of these competitors that comes in with a model all seeking to either, number one, be more relevant to the consumer or number two, recognize and 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 be bold enough to communicate, I don't have any relevance, so I'm not going to charge you much for my service. I'm just going to give you access and the ability to transact and everything else is on you. Between those two different players, they've created, uh, you know, this cottage industry, if you will, with the inside of our own industry that's gobbling up, you know, sliver by sliver, I call it death by a thousand cuts. Uh, it's gobbling up market share. And we, as an industry, are allowing that to happen. You know, we talked about disintermediation in the industry in the commercial real estate space back in 2000. That's, you know, late 90s is, is really when the Internet started to proliferate in business. Uh, and it, can't, it, was, it was solidly in the uh, commercial real estate space down in D.C. And when you think about a commercial real estate transaction, you're transacting from principle to principle, 
And it's really all based on financials, right? If I'm going to buy an office building, it's going to be based on financials and in my market due diligence and some other things, right? However, it's, there's no emotion in it. It's not like I have to bring my wife and my kids. I got to make sure that they're comfortable. We're looking around the house. We're, this is all business. So it was, it was a really scary conversation, frankly, back in 2000 about disintermediating the commercial real estate agent <clears throat> out of transactions that you could now do online uh, from principal to principal. Mm -hmm. However, we're now having that conversation as you know, we're all aware in the residential real estate space. Uh, we're talking about uh, you know, the disintermediation of the real estate agent. And to me, this is an industry that is ripe for disruption. Uh, and I think that we're beginning to see the beginning stages of disruption within, within the residential real estate space. Uh, and you know, disintermediation and disruption only happens when the industry itself provides an opportunity for that because they're failing to see what's necessary and getting to that place before some other competitor can. And let me just you know, give two prime examples of that. Uber is one. So Uber has completely disrupted the taxicab industry. And do you think that the taxicab industry ever saw Uber coming? I doubt it. Uh, and today, unfortunately, but there was a need, remember? The, the customer experience wasn't very good. There wasn't a lot of value for the service. You got into dirty cabs with, you know, cab drivers that, uh, you know, weren't very polite. Uh, you know, oftentimes it just was a bad experience. So it created this opportunity for that industry to be disrupted utilizing technology. Today, Uber is the largest taxi company in the world. And the best part of it for them is they don't own any cars. Then separately, you, you know, you take a look at Airbnb. You know, Brian Chesky, uh, you know, a kid sitting in his garage who was developing the technology to disrupt the hoteling industry. Do you think that, you know, Conrad Hilton and Bill Marriott ever saw that guy coming? I doubt it. Uh, and, you know, the, the bottom line is they were taking an experience that may have been a good experience, but wasn't necessarily an experience that was relatable or relevant to the new customer today and somebody to be able to utilize technology. So now he's disrupted that industry and he's created this company that is the largest booking agent of room nights in the United States. And the best part is he doesn't own any hotels. So, you know, the disruption that has occurred in those two industries. And when you think about the real estate space and you think about what it is that we do, we are allowing because of this whole conversation about relevance, we are allowing disruptors to come into our business to change the model and the expectation of the consumer and of the agent and of the broker. We're allowing that to happen. So what we have, you know, to your point, the race to relevance, we've got to be in front of this. Uh, you know, I, 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 I love to quote Wayne Gretzky uh, just because one, he was the greatest hockey player that ever played. But two, what he always talked about when he was asked why he was such a great hockey player, he said that he skated to where the puck was going to be. So he would anticipate the play on the ice and he would position himself on the ice to be there knowing that the puck was coming to him. That's what we have to be doing as an industry. We have to anticipate these disruptors. We have to understand what, how, what is necessary and needed to be relevant to our customer, whether that's for me, my franchisees and their agents, for our franchisees being their agents and the consumer and for the agents, the consumer. Mm -hmm. And we have to understand that relevancy equation. We need to position ourselves in order to provide that level of service that is distinct and, and unique and highly valued and 
if we are able to do that, we don't have to worry about all of these other players that are coming into the market with a la carte services and DIY models and fee focused based uh, transaction models that are trying to run, you know, the industry into the ground relative to profitability. I know yeah, it's a lot, awesome. said, so, right? I, I, I said a lot. Yeah, it, it really is. And I, but it's extremely helpful. The good thing is, is we're going to listen to this over and over and over again and take rigorous notes. But, you know, just I kind of think about this for a moment and I say, gosh, you know what? So what I hear you saying is identify the problem and be the solution. And that is one way to, to be relevant, right? It's like, because Uber and all these people that are disruptors, it seems like they've identified a problem and they've went and solved that problem for the consumer, right? And I think maybe the, as real estate agents or owners or whichever position we are, there's an opportunity in that. And, and going kind of going backwards to teams for a minute, there's also challenges that teams are going to face as they continue to grow. And those challenges that teams are going to face is opportunity for the companies and brokers, managers to actually be relevant. But they have to kind of work through this. They have to, 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 to meet the puck, you know, where it's going to be instead, as you said. Uh, without, a, with, without a doubt. And uh... I see it every day because I have an opportunity to see it, right? So, you know, regardless of where I travel in the world, uh, I see our brokers in every market that I travel to around the world adding, uh, you know, value and being relevant to their customers. And, and, and those offices that I go to, and there's always some where they have agents that don't feel like there's a relevance equation uh, or, or a value proposition that's worthy of the fees that they're paying to that particular broker. They're adjusting to that and they're figuring it out and they're trying to understand what works the best. And, uh, you know, I see some of the yeah. best practices uh, in, in the industry today by traveling around and getting that, you know, human touch, uh, if you will, uh, you know, with those people that are part of our organization. And I talk to tons of people that are not part of Century 21 just across the industry to understand what are they doing to continue to be successful and grow their business in the market. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. Excellent. Well, let's Listen. change gears for one uh, one minute. I know Matt, you may have had something to say, but I was going to ask, you know, as we kind of go towards uh, get towards wrapping this up, you know, I've um, been it's been great getting to to know you, Rick. You know, as our leader here with Century Twenty One, and you know, I have so many people that uh, you know just in the ownership and agent level, you know, that I talk to and they've met you and they always have, you know, pretty interesting things to say or kind things to say, but they say, you know, man, this guy's always got energy while he's willing to, he, you know, he's, he's very involved. He likes to, you know, lead with the people instead of over the people. I hear a lot of things, a lot of neat comments about you. And I'm just kind of wondering, cause I've always been around you, um, you know, and, and have always, oh, how much energy you have. Um, and I'm sure there's times where you get challenged, like every businessman will be, but what keeps you from getting complacent? In, in the years that I've uh, been watching you as a leader, I've never sensed it. Um, but just maybe tell us a little bit more about how you keep your mindset sharp and, and your energy levels high and continue to be pro-industry. Uh, well, you know, I'm a big believer in strong body, strong mind. Uh, so, you know, I, I take care of myself physically. I'm in the gym five or six days a week. Uh, you know, I do lots of other activity outside of, you know, just working out during the day. I, I kind of build my life around, uh, you know, a fitness focused lifestyle. <clears throat> I eat well, uh, as you can imagine, uh, 
in my job, I eat out uh, many, 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 many times a month. Uh, and uh, so, you know, I'm always particular about the food that I'm putting in my body in order to fuel it. Uh, spiritually, I stay, uh, you know, very well connected, um, you know, with myself and with my family. And uh, that's critically important to me. And, you know, that's kind of the foundation that I build from. And uh, uh, that's what provides me kind of the energy, the excitement, the enthusiasm for life, frankly. Uh, it isn't just, uh, you know, just for the industry. Um, but I, you know, I'm a big believer that when you're in a leadership position and people have an opportunity to view you and not taking that for granted, um, because, you know, to be quite honest, I'm, I'm, I have no ego about this job. Uh, in fact, I say to people all the time, you know, being the CEO of Century 21, uh, five bucks and, you know, that and five bucks won't get you a shoe shine at the airport. Uh, and that's that's the reality of it, right? It's it, but but I have a responsibility because I'm in such a visible position to take a leadership role uh, within the industry and certainly within this organization. I take this job very very seriously, uh, and so that's why I make it a point to be out in the market, be out in the industry, stay connected, talking to people, listening to what they have to say, and on those things that I believe that are truly valuable that I think could have an impact and potentially shift the entire industry, uh, you know, I have the ability to be able to then come back and, and move to implement those things inside of this organization. So I'm always listening for that kind of next idea, or even if it's just the seed of an idea, to kind of take that and then germinate it and try to figure out where that might go and how that could potentially positively influence our business, our industry, the reputation of our uh, professionals, and what that means for being a real estate agent long term. Uh, so, you know, that's, uh, that's really what it comes down to. And, um, you know, as an organization, we give back, uh, a lot, uh, we've had an involvement with, uh, Easter seals, uh, for 36 years. Uh, in fact, I just got the numbers earlier this week. We raised and donated $3.1 million this year, 2016. Uh, we've raised and donated now almost $118 million in our, uh, in our relationship with Easter seals. Uh, so something I'm incredibly proud of and I get highly engaged in and involved with. And, uh, you know, it's it's uh, it's doing good and good business. And if I if I keep those things in focus, I take care of myself. I take care of my 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 health. I take care of my family. I take care of my faith. And then I focus on doing good and doing things that are good for business, uh, you know, working is a heck of a lot of a heck of a lot of fun. And look at all the great people you get to meet and spend time with. Yeah, I'll, um, I know we need to wrap up, but I'm going to re remind you of something that you said. And I have a feeling you probably have said this more than one time. But one of, uh, one of uh, an agent, Brendan Payne, of course, you know, Brendan. Yes, of course. He asked you, I think, one time, he, he asked you something. I, I won't get the context exactly right because I can't recall how it was worded. But something about what motivates you to continue to, to be fit uh, physically yourself. And you said to him, um, it scares you to death to think that one day somebody much younger than you is going to invite you to do something physically and you have to tell them, I can't. Yes. Do you remember saying that? Oh my gosh, that I was, live it. I have never forgotten that. And I just wanted to share that with the people in the, with this podcast. Yeah, it's very true. Uh, I'll, t I just get, I'll put a little bit of context on that. So when my son was born, I was 26. I'm 56. 
and I decided I was going to get into shape because I thought from that point forward that I never wanted to be asked to do anything that because I had not taken care of myself physically that I would have to say no to. Uh, and that really stuck with me and that still sticks with me today. And, uh, you know, like people will see me at the gym and say, what are you training for? And I'm like, I'm not training for anything specifically, but I'm always training, right? Because you might ask me tomorrow, hey, want to go climb Mount Rainier this weekend? And I want to say yes. Uh, or, hey, want to go run a marathon? Yes. Want to go ride 100 miles? Yes. Uh, if I feel like doing it. But I don't ever want to have to tell you no. And uh, yeah. I certainly don't want to have to tell somebody young no, because I want to be able to ride <laughs> them into the ground. <laughs> Well, well, there you go. Yeah, well, I, I tell you, there, there we, you know, yeah, so Matt, here's, you know, there's a lot of people out there mm -hmm. that, uh, you know, I'm, of course, I've, you know, go to a lot of conferences and I hear a lot of people talking about, you know, Century 21, who is Century 21? Should I get involved with Century 21? You know, and, and, and basically I always say the same thing, you know, we're nothing more than a product of our leadership. So for everybody that's out here watching this podcast, you know, here's your introduction to, you know, Rick Davidson, our leader over. And, uh, you know, you can just tell through the energy and excitement and the wealth of knowledge that we've just got a great person to, to, to look up to. So, Rick, I really appreciate, you know, uh, you taking the time. I know you're busy, uh, but I, I just really appreciate it. And I think there's just going to be so much value. Um, and relevance that's going to be delivered to those that are going to listen here to, to this podcast for sure. Well, thank you, Greg. Thank you, Matt. Uh, and it was, it was my pleasure. Uh, and, and Rick, uh, how, how do people connect with you personally? Yeah, that's a great question. So they can send me uh, an email at askrick at century21.com. Nice. Um, cool. So, you know, I answer all my own emails uh, and, uh, you know, it's uh, it's important uh, to be able to stay in connection uh, with people, and 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 you know, uh, I think it's that it's that level of connectivity that I have with just about everybody I run into that you know, frankly, I thoroughly enjoy, and I think it's a real differentiator. Very very cool. And then Greg, you want to share how people connect with you? Yeah, I mean, the best and easiest way is Greg Harrell. Wilson at gmail.com. Just keep it simple. Anybody has any questions or, or even comments, just please, uh, you know, send them my way. I, I, I'm doing this more of as a, as a joy. I get to hang out with people like you too, as well as other guests. And, uh, and really just, this is a contribution uh, that I'm giving back to the, uh, to the, to an industry that has given me so much. I've been blessed by, uh, uh, greatly by being in this business. So feel free to email me. I'll answer your questions the best I can and we'll go from there. Sounds great. Well, everybody that's, uh, that's had the pleasure of uh, either watching the video here on YouTube or listening to the audio version on iTunes or Stitcher, make sure to subscribe to the show. We appreciate you watching or listening. And be sure to connect with Rick and with Greg, of course. And uh, we'll see everybody on the next episode.